the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back, February 10th, 2021. Quote, I recognize that this is a very emotional issue on both sides of the equation in America right now, and I think it calls for real engagement rather than rule enforcement. Close quote. Thus spaketh Adam Silver, commissioner of the NBA, in response to whether he will enforce the rule that NBA players stand for the national anthem. This is what an idiot sounds like. Just what engagement is he willing to engage in? What discussion? What give and take? He's right that the national anthem is emotional for most, but not that it's an emotional issue. It's an emotional song, or was, until it was converted into an issue, as Mark Cuban of the Dallas Mavericks has canceled the airing of it. It happens to be such a powerful tribute that those afraid of being invaded and governed by communism, say protesters in Hong Kong, have risked life and limb to sing it. Perhaps they understand freedom and its import and not taking it for granted, a little more than Adam Silver and Mark Cuban, who just went one step better in all this by simply canceling it so that the issue would not be a part of our lives at all at his home games. So just so we understand, those truly worried about being governed by invading communism are more brave and apt to sing the Star Spangled Banner than those who make millions of dollars here under a capitalist system because the song represents what? Slavery? No. Brutality? No. American victory? Yes. Just so we understand, the average NBA salary is $8 million a year, and there are players for the Mavericks who actually make more than twice that. The average American soldier's salary, who volunteers to hold the Star Spangled Banner and defend it, makes seven-tenths of one percent of the average NBA player, just for what it's worth, just so we understand who the elites are in this country and who's doing what for this country and at what price and who can afford to spit in whose face. Oh, and for what it's worth, the lower-earning members of the military who care, carry and defend the Star-Spangled Banner are primarily white. Those who protest it, earning at least 131 times the military salary, overwhelmingly racially black. Just so we understand what discrimination in America is, and just so we understand what the society places value on, and what certain members of it resent from a place of extreme wealth and elitism. As we're told, they are discriminated against. It's time, I think, to reprise something I said last year about all this. Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey, then Houston Rockets general manager Daryl Morey, was forced to apologize in America for tweeting, quote, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong, close quote. 
He wrote that. He tweeted that when protesters in Hong Kong were carrying American iconography and singing the Star Spangled Banner. Seemed pretty normal. Stand with those who stand with us. Stand with those who stand up to communism. Stand with those who are bravely risking their lives and engaging in peaceful protests on behalf of their freedom. It seemed so darned a normal sentiment, one can trace a line from John Kennedy's inauguration speech saying, let every nation know whether it wishes us well or ill, that we shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. From that line to every inauguration speech I can think of echoing the same sentiment. In normal times, a tweet like Maury's would be seen as a bare minimum, almost yawning, virtue signaling, and that there would be millions of tweets like that. But we forget these are not normal times, and Daryl Morey worked in the National Basketball Association, and they have a lot of business in China. So Daryl Morey had to publicly apologize. And the NBA did more of, a communi- more of communist China's bidding last year. As the Daily Mail reported, Washington Wizards, Washington Wizards security confiscated protesters' signs supporting Hong Kong and China's Uyghurs. Philadelphia 76ers security confiscated similar protester signs. In America, 76ers, named after the city where 1776 meant something, namely liberty and equality. National Basketball Association, national, as in this nation. National Basketball Association, where players refused to sing the national anthem that protesters in Hong Kong sang at the risk of their lives. The National Basketball Association, where players continually tell us how discriminatory our country is. The NBA, where over 80% of the players are racial minorities. Now the NBA also has the Black Lives Matter statements and banners on its courts and is selling paraphernalia with the phrase. I wonder what would happen if the NBA tried banners saying Muslim lives matter or Chinese lives matter or free speech matters or freedom of religion matters. They won't because they cannot. Why can the NBA not? As I said in July, there was a headline in a one-day ESPN story that read this, quote, ESPN investigation finds coaches at NBA China academies complained of player abuse and lack of schooling, close quote. A few immediate things jumped out. The opening of the third paragraph of the story was one of them. It reads, quote, The NBA ran into myriad problems by opening one of the academies in Shenzhen province. Shenzhen. The story then went on to detail a little of what is going on there. The problem is, a lot of us have been speaking about it for years, it is a modern-day concentration camp of a province. What the hell is the NBA doing in China, much less Shenzhen? Oh, you and I know the answer. Profit. Still I ask, because that is not a good enough answer. What the hell are they doing there? It gets us to the answer as to why they cannot allow support for Hong Kong, why they cannot say Chinese or even Muslim lives matter, or that freedom of speech matter, or that freedom of religion matters. To the NBA, it does not. Last year, the New York Times published a major series on what was going on in that province. Let me read just a little, but hold on, because it all gets worse much worse. Here's the story. Quote, 
The students, Chinese students, the students booked their tickets home at the end of the semester, hoping for a relaxing break after exams and a summer of happy reunions with family in China's far west. Instead, they would soon be told that their parents were gone, relatives had vanished, and neighbors were missing, all of them locked up in an expanding network of detention camps built to hold Muslim ethnic minorities. The authorities in Xinjiang region worried that the situation was a powder keg, and so they prepared. The leadership distributed a classified directive advising local officials, local officials to corner returning students as soon as they arrived and keep them quiet. It, including, it included a chilling bureaucratic guide for how to handle their anguished questions, beginning with the most obvious question, where is my family? Where is my family? Where is my home? All gone plowed over. One more part from that story, quote, the authorities in Xinjiang have detained many hundreds of thousands of Uyghurs, Kazakhs, and other Muslims in internment camps. Inmates undergo months or years of indoctrination and interrogation aimed at transforming them into a secular and loyal supporters of the party, close quote. Now, I say it gets worse because one didn't need to wait until last year to read about this. I've been talking about it for years, so have others. And indeed, one can perform a search to see a Time magazine in 2014 headlined, Islam in China, Why Beijing Oppresses Uyghurs. One can see a headline from Human Rights Watch from 15 years ago. It reads, China, Religious Repression of Uyghur Muslims. PBS did a story on it that same year with an addenda about how China imprisons more journalists than any other country. But the New York Times on their op-ed page pays no never mind. It's just a news story. And the NBA could care less. They care more about the national anthem being played here in America. And they care more about Americans standing up for protesters in Hong Kong who want to stand up with us. China, of course, has tried to cover all this up, as you know, and dress it all up. And what better way than with dollars and one of America's favorite pastimes, sports the NBA. Could there be a greater distraction than that? It's not the first time breads and circuses have been showered on a people or media to cover up humanitarian atrocities. Those of us schooled just a little in the history of the modern world know, what well, took, know well what took place in Europe in the 1940s, especially the horrid story of the Red Cross and concentration camps. As Newsweek wrote, quote, when the International Red Cross was invited to inspect the camp of Threisenstadt in the summer of 1944, the Nazis were determined to hide from the world the fact that they were killing Jews en masse. The camp's directors forced inmates to build fake homes, shops, and gardens that would fool the de delegation into thinking the camp was actually a thriving town. In fact, it was a Temkin village designed for genocide. Close quote. The Red Cross wrote positively of its visit to this, what was called a spa town, Never mind that what the Red Cross and the international world was fooled about was in reality a collection center for deportations to ghettos and killing centers in Nazi-occupied Eastern Europe. Of course, the nasty, horrible secret was the Red Cross was not really fooled as it was looking for something to fool the rest of the world with. Not the first time that happened either. We just didn't think it would be true in the latter part the 20th century, much less the 21st century, 
or that something called the National Basketball Association would be a part of or take part in it. What better way to aid and assist the cover-up in China and the depredation of an entire people than to help with the propaganda of the regime by hosting and promoting nice little basketball camps there in the heart of the dark regime? Or publishing propaganda dressed up as apologetics? Why am I focused on this? Because I'm not sure if there's a single professional athletic association that is more engaged in lecturing America on left-wing social justice issues and how bad America is than the NBA, taking it to the point of simply canceling the national anthem as if it's something to be ashamed of. I suppose when you have a movement founded by self-proclaimed Marxists like BLM and you're able to paint its slogans on your courts, jerseys and commercial promotional material, you can cover up the crimes of governments dedicated to deploying those self-same Marxist ideologies. And you eliminate dissent of those in your organization who stand up for dissenters. And you cease being proud of America. So what to say about the NBA and Mark Cuban? We quickly run out of words and synonyms. Once upon a time, immoral, iniquitous, hypocritical, shameful, those words would have done it. But it's really too bad, people, at least in professional athletics and journalism, as I now see it, and most of journalism at that, erase those words from their dictionaries, their moral dictionaries, starting with the word shame. I'll say it again. It's really too bad that people just don't blush anymore. But shame on Mark Cuban. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, portions of which are brought to you by Balance of Nature, 31 different fruits and veggies in a single daily dose, carrying with it tens of thousands of vital nutrients to improve your health, energy, and boost your immunity. Now is not the time to go weak or to lower your immunity. You want it all up and boosted, and you can do it with Balance of Nature. No sugar, chemicals, GMOs, all-natural, vine-ripened fruits and veggies picked at their peak of ripeness, Reduced into vegetarian capsules using their unique cold press process. Fabulous product. I take it every single day. And they have a great deal offering free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or visit them at balanceofnature.com. Make sure to use discount code BALANCE. You'll be so glad you did. Hey, Bill, did you run today? Oh, you did a stairwell run? Do you have Anthony Fauci's audio from last year? Sure do. Can I hear it? Bottom line, we don't have to worry about this one, right? Well, I, you know, obviously you need to take it seriously and do the kinds of things that the CDC and the Department of Homeland Security are doing. But this is not a major threat for the people in the United States. And this is not something that the citizens of the United States right now should be worried about. We be changing our habits and if so how no right now at this moment there is no need to change anything that you're doing on a day-by-day basis i don't think this is something that the united states public should be worried or frightened about mm-hmm. i think the risk is very low right now for the united states right now in the united states people should not be walking around with masks you're sure of it, because people are listening really no, closely to this. Right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel 
a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often, there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask, and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying uh, uh, inside uh, uh, there? Of course, of course. Perhaps a good way not to um, fuddle with your masks is not to have more than one. The question arises, do they know more today than they did a year ago about COVID-19? The question arises, are the spokesmen for this administration, the Biden administration, doing any better the experts for this administration doing any better than the experts in the last administration, especially when it's the same expert, Anthony Fauci, whom was right all the time, evidently, while Trump was wrong all the time. I ask that because why he said masks won't do anything there except make you feel better, and I'm not recommending people wear masks last year, the CDC changed its guidance today. You knew this was coming, right? You know what it is? Two masks. Two masks. Use a cloth mask that has multiple layers of fabric or wear one disposable mask underneath a cloth mask. So we've gone from zero to one to now two. And I'm guessing then once we all do that, the virus will go away. Why not wear the whole box? Just put the box over your face. The box of masks. At this point, no, I think it's a fair question to ask and a serious one. Do they know what they're doing? Do they know what they're doing or are they just kind trying to continue to instantiate fear or are they in the haunting question of Alex Berenson trying to see just how much they can get away with manipulating us like marionette puppets for other things? I ask that in the context of what might be done in the name of the next national emergency, which will be what, Bill? What's the next national emergency, health emergency? Of course it is. Of course it is. And we'll talk to you about that in a moment. Now, Joe Biden, having said a travel ban from China was xenophobic, right? When Donald Trump issued one, get this headline from the Miami Herald, quote, the Biden administration is considering whether to impose domestic travel restrictions, including on Florida, fearful that coronavirus mutations are threatening to reverse hard-fought progress. How do you like that? We're going to have a federal restriction on domestic travel. To ban travel from China was wrong, but to ban people from leaving or entering Florida from Arizona, South Dakota, Mississippi, be any other American state, Hawaii, well, that's the special right thing to be considering right now. I'm telling you, they don't know what they're doing. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. 34 After the Hour brings us John Dombrowski with his culture and economy update. 
John Dombrowski, of course, the head of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. Happy hump day, John. How are you? Fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Markets are doing pretty well today, too, it looked like. Uh, yeah, markets were a little Dow bit... Jones, uh, anyway. It was a little kind of a mix today. We saw uh, the, at the open, the, the, all the indexes were higher, but we saw a pullback. Tech kind of took a little bit of a breather. Uh, as the Nasdaq has been, uh, Nasdaq's up uh, about seven and a half percent year to date. Um, so that's pretty good for the first month plus, you know, of the year to be up seven percent. As I say, that'd be a good year for many, many cases uh, for the markets to be up. But uh, they did pull back later in the day, uh, even though Fed Chair Powell had um, made some comments today. Which... Yeah, talk to me about this. Easy money policies to remain mm-hmm. in place is the headline. That is correct, and this is this is good news for the stock market. Again, uh, basically stating that they're going to continue bolstering, it says, this the U.S. economy through low interest rates and hefty asset purchases. And this is going to continue, it said, this is his own words, uh, you know, into the foreseeable future. So if that's the case, um, then we could feel pretty, pretty good about, you know, the money flow is going to be there. The liquidity is going to be there for the markets. And um, this, this really does bode well for uh, U.S. businesses. Talk to me about what this means as far as easy money policies. So do, 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 a, yeah. do a macro 101 for us on what easy money means. Just quickly, I mean, they're talking about keeping interest rates historically low, mm-hmm. which many of these companies uh, with, their, with their credit rating, they can borrow money very cheaply, mm-hmm. right? And this is what we're talking about. Even the average American right now is benefiting from this, right? When they go to buy a home, uh, the money is cheap right now. Considering the first time I bought my house, my first interest rate, I think, was 16 or 17 percent. Is that right? right. Wow. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. Today, it's right. like I don't even know if anyone can afford. It'd be like buying a house with a credit card, right. Seth. Right, right, right. It'd be impossible to continue making those payments, right? Um, but no, of course, we've got interest rates that are now below 3 mm-hmm. percent uh, for a 30-year fixed mortgage, which is unheard of. And uh, that is, that's cheap money. The money is free, basically. Um, many cases you could be uh, seeing increasing values in your real estate quicker than the amount of interest that you're paying on that loan. Now, when we talk about that kind of interest rate mm-hmm. and easy money um, uh, that, that leads to those kind of lower interest rates, that's not the same thing people think about borrowing money when they use credit cards. Those rates obviously come right. from a different perspective, right? They do. That's correct. So um, credit card debt is unsecured debt. Right. And that type of debt, your interest rates are extremely high. I never encourage people to carry a, a you know, these revolving credit line uh, debt if they don't have to. Um, I understand that, you know, in some cases an emergency arises and you may have to do something. It was, you know, maybe an emergency uh, dental uh, situation and you had to go and, you know, spend a few thousand dollars uh, to get some repairs done on your, your teeth. Uh, and maybe you don't have that money in the bank at the moment, but you eventually will. Uh, but, you know, I don't recommend using a credit card uh, to buy something that you truly can't afford to pay off at the end of the month. Do and, you have the similar or differing views, or does it really depend on the individual when it comes to a double or second mortgage? So you can have, uh, in many instances, a second mortgage if you bought a home mm-hmm. and then you decided to put a pool in, as an example and you wanted to borrow money to put a pool in, that would be considered a second loan on the property, uh, which is, again, uh, secured by the real estate itself, by the house. Uh, In many cases, that interest rate would be a little bit higher than your purchase money mortgage, what we would call it when you first buy a home and you finance it. 
Um, but there's also something called the line of credit, Seth. Yep. Uh, and the HELOC we, we, right. we would use, uh, right. home equity line. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, in that case, uh, that's something that's a revolving credit, but it's, again, uh, going to be used as the security by your house being um, the security for that loan. See, I think this is very helpful, John, because when people hear low interest rates mm-hmm. and the, 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 the helpfulness of that, and then they say, oh, but my credit card, why isn't it affecting that? Now we get it. You've yeah. explained that very totally well. Different. Yeah, totally They're different. Unsec- that's situation. unsecured you debt bet. again. Yeah. You bet. No, that's really helpful, John. Yeah. Thank you, yep. sir. You I appreciate you it. All right, securities in and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Femur and Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Check out our website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, and you can request an appointment right on our website. Happy to sit down and talk with you. Yeah, I've had uh, so many people I know do, do that with you, John, mm-hmm. and they, they just love your personal touch and how you really you really forensically go through everything they want and need and have and what they plan to do and you're, you're very good on an individual basis. You really are. That's well, we, we talk a lot you about you, too, Seth, with a lot of the clients that come in because uh, they listen just, to you every you day. You can say anything you want about <laughs> me, John, as long as it's not the truth, okay? We, no, that is the absolute <laughs> truth. They love you, as love I you do. Love you, too, John. Okay. All right. God bless you, sir. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is our number. We'll be right back. Come back six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. If you watched any of the impeachment uh, trial today in the Senate, um, the last part of the case that the Democratic impeachment managers were making was a lot of uh, video from January sixth, a lot of audio from January sixth, and it was obviously horrible watching, you know, the rioters do what the rioters were doing. But a couple things came to mind, and it is, as Jonathan Turley said, obviously emotionally upsetting to watch all that. But it's emotionally upsetting to watch video of a house being burnt to the ground, too, and playing on the emotions when you can make no connection between the house being burnt down and the person you're accusing of arson. And that's the major flaw here. We can relitigate all we want what took place on January 6th via riot and mob violence, but unless and until you can show that it was caused by the man you're trying to blame for it, all you get is emotion. All you get is passion. I suppose the strategy at a certain point is to make it look and sound so bad that you ignore the basic fact that it wasn't directed or caused by the person you're trying to say it was directed or caused by. And then I suppose, too, I want to kind of tell the Democrats they may want to go outside and get their story straight before they come back in again. Because if you read the bill of indictment, the bill of impeachment, it blames the words that Donald Trump spoke on January 6th as causing the riot. But if you listen to the impeachment managers today, it wasn't they are now adding to that indictment to all kinds of things Donald Trump has said over the last 
several months. You know why? Because they knew their case wasn't strong enough based on what he said on January 6th. You can't have a person saying march peaceably and blame him for insurrection. And I suppose they want to get their story straight, too, when they keep giving us descriptions and timelines of when things transpired so that when they talk about someone coming in, one of the rioters storming the Capitol in full riot gear, doesn't it make you kind of want to ask, so wait, this guy came to Washington, listened to the president then went to the riot gear store and got dressed up in riot gear and then went over to the Capitol because he was inspired by Donald Trump? Or did he buy and have his riot gear many days or weeks in advance because this was planned in advance, irrespective of anything Donald Trump said? And then there's the timeline issue because they're describing incursions into the Capitol while Donald Trump is still talking. All of this, of course, is political sturmandering that will not lead to a conviction. But I know it is pulling on the heartstrings, tugging on the heartstrings of a lot of Americans to watch this and see how uncomfortable it is. I only wish lawmakers showed how uncomfortable the riots from last summer were that led to far more destruction, damage, and death. Because there is a question that has to be asked at a certain point, isn't there? Why are the lives of unelected citizens in cities from Kenosha to Minneapolis to Seattle to Portland less important than their elected representatives who suffered not at all, by the way? Can we say that? These congressmen who are talking about how much fear they felt I can appreciate that they might have, but they didn't actually suffer anything. They didn't suffer anything. Over 30 people lost their lives in the riots of last summer. Over $2 billion worth of damage transpired. People were put in fear. They couldn't leave their homes. They couldn't open their businesses. Not as if their businesses were thriving last summer anyway. Mark me is finding all of this quite disgusting. Mark me is finding all of this newfound respect for law enforcement long overdue, but quite crocodilian in the tears they shed for what the police had to go through on January 6th, given that they had no problem turning a blind eye and a deaf ear to the complaints of law enforcement all of last summer as major chiefs of police were resigning their posts from lack of support from their Democratic mayors, congressmen, and leadership in Washington. Mark me as unimpressed by all of this. Mark me as unimpressed by their newfound respect for walls and fencing when it can protect them 
but not ranchers and other civilians on our southern border or in our southern states, border states. And mark me as unimpressed with their condemnations of questioning elections when they say, as one of the impeachment managers today said, not one elected official in the Democratic Party has ever questioned the legitimacy of an election. He actually said that. And I think about Stacey Abrams. And I think about Hillary Clinton. And I think about Jimmy Carter calling Donald Trump an illegitimate president. Mark me as someone who sees through exactly what they are trying to do. And not only being unimpressed and not only being disgusted, but finding the Democratic Party to be holy without soul and shame in doing what they're doing and saying what they're saying now about the very things we were begging them to do and say six, seven, and eight months ago. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, uh, 602-508-0960. Michael in Phoenix. Hi, Michael. Welcome. Hi, Seth. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. Um, you have the, one of the best shows going, for well, sure. Thank you so much for saying that. But um, I am a Trump supporter from, from the very beginning. Uh, when he first came down the escalator, I, I, was, I was right on. I, uh, and I hope I'm wrong. But I, I will bet you a dollar to a donut that Trump will be convicted. Tell me why you think that. Um, just it's like I, it's like the writing is on the wall already from the establishment. That um, I mean, look at what happened here in our own state. I mean, everyone was excited and confident that we had a Senate with a backbone that was going to hold. Uh, the uh, city council uh, um, to feet to the fire, and and they were going to uh, get them for for um, not uh, complying with subpoenas, and and, and the county uh, legislator. I mean, but anyway, and then all of a sudden that fell apart, and we were confident. Everybody was confident. Every conservative I knew was confident that. Something so, was going to happen. So, Michael, the Senate, U.S. Senate has to find uh, – let's assume every Democrat votes to convict. So that's 50. They need 67. They need another 17 votes. Mm-hmm. Who do you think – we know we, – we probably can assume five, and we know who those five probably are. We can name them. Who well, do you there were think, six that, that voted to go ahead. Okay, maybe. Maybe maybe the sixth from Louisiana. Um but now we're still short 11. Who do you think they'll pick up? I I couldn't tell you. I don't Well, I'll tell I'll, I'll tell you what I think. I mean, you know, uh, to, to borrow from Yogi Bear, the hardest thing to predict is the future, right? Yeah. Exactly. Uh, if you're going to do dollars to donuts, I can do that, right, Michael? <laughs> sure. sure. Um, but I will say this. Um I think any Republican who shapeshifts on this outside of those five, possibly six, but probably five, I think they're done. I think they're done. 
And I think they know they're done. I think they know the mood of this party is not for this sham, and it is a sham. It is a sham that helps bury any notion of free speech, and it makes conservative speech criminal. That's what this impeachment is all about. I'm convinced. But they're already making it criminal. Yeah, but Republicans aren't their head. Yeah, but I just don't think these Republican senators are going to be the handmaiden of it. I really don't. Not those outside of the the Sass Romney caucus. I just don't. But let's see. And I'll uh, when this vote is over, you'll either be giving me a dollar for every vote I got wrong, or and I'll give you a donut for every one I got right. How's that, Michael? Thank you for 